If you could be somebody else, anybody else, who would you be? Why? What could you achieve? Who could you influence and how? What stops you now? Ask yourself, who told you that and why do you believe it? Why consent to the conspiracy that masks the truth of who you are? Rise, leave the conspiracy. Join me on a journey to reveal our identity in the realm of limitless potential, in a world of infinite possibility, not the possibility of tomorrow, the realities of today. Come, take the first steps with me into the truth of who we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode one of Truth Conspiracy. I'm Ron Bojo, your host, and thank you for taking the time to stop by. This promises to be the messiest show I will ever host. Why? I'm glad you asked. I'm creating something from nothing. Not the podcast, but the reason for the podcast. This is my BHAG, my big, hairy, audacious goal. A bold assertion that what we are told to believe is in reality the grand truth conspiracy, suppressing who we really are spiritually. The goal is to reveal the only thing limiting you is your belief you are limited and to present the ideas supporting that premise to the world, to give as many people as will receive it the information to get out of their own way and get free, meaning I'm presenting ideas, concepts, and principles that swim upstream all the way. Therefore, context of everything is especially important. So nothing is nice and formatted like a 12-step program, per se. No refined position papers or templated PowerPoints, all of which equates to messy. There are four quotes I tend to revolve around. That which you resist persists, by Carl Jung. One from Friedrich Nietzsche, I have it taped at the bottom of the monitor. Sometimes people don't want to hear the truth because they don't want their illusion destroyed. There's another tape to the wall of the studio from Sir Francis Bacon. The contemplation of things as they are, without substitution or imposture, without error or confusion, is in itself a nobler thing than a whole harvest of invention. In my head, there's always running a variation of a quote from Thibault. The wise try to adjust themselves to the truth, while fools try to adjust the truth to themselves. These four quotes coalesce at the heart of the podcast and today's show. They remind me of an interesting juxtaposition in life. Do I, or you, really want to actively contemplate the truth of who we are, or put our head in the sand and the inquisitiveness ends? I wake up in my bed and believe whatever narrative I want to believe. It's like when you're driving your car and the oil light comes on and you hear a knocking sound. You're faced with the choice. Truth, pull over and acquire some oil and save the engine and yourself, or not. Turn the radio up so you can't hear the knock anymore and go down in a blaze of glory. I learned long ago, I am, in Myers-Briggs terms, an INTP the proverbial square peg to the round hole. I also quickly discovered to get along in society, sometimes you must wear a mask. That is, play the part of a ruler, a caregiver, a sage, the innocent, the hero, the jester, the lover, whatever. 
to fit into social situations. People tend to and like to gather with like-minded people that will pacify their ego. It's conciliatory, reassuring, you know. I'm part of this group that believes, thinks, acts, behaves the way I do. They provide familiarity, a comfort of sorts, a certainty in your mind that says, I'm not alone. I'm not going to stand out. I'm not the odd one everyone will be gawking at. The issue with this is the danger of groupthink and the masks associated with the group. Those masks are brutal, heavy, and hard to wear. Typically, the weight of it cuts deep into one's soul, leaving lasting scars while you lose sight of who you really are. I will dig deep into those concepts along the way. For now, it's important to understand we all play the game. We all wear at least one mask to some extent. If we wear that mask too long, we become the mask. In other words, one will not be able to perceive or receive the truth through the masks they wear, and they lose themselves in the very game they're playing. Before we dive into the topic, I need to level set. Throughout the entire podcast series, everything discussed is not from a singular point of reference, but within a triad of references. I'm always speaking to you, the individual, of course. However, I understand you are a dynamic complex of three distinct elements, mind, body, and spirit. I understand if you're listening to me as I'm speaking to you, I am affecting all three parts, mind, body, and spirit. So at this point, I need to acknowledge a term that will be important throughout the whole series. Intuition, definition, a natural ability or power that makes it possible to know something without any proof or evidence, a feeling that guides a person to act a certain way without full understanding, something that is known or understood without proof or evidence, the power or faculty of attaining to direct knowledge or cognition without evident rational thought or inference, immediate apprehension or cognition, knowledge or conviction gained by intuition. The concept of intuition is a key element to the subject of truth. However, intuition is extremely speculative with people. What needs to be understood, the mechanism or the pipeline or the connection between the spiritual and physical is intuition, and it's the way we acquire knowledge without conscious reasoning. Agree or disagree, intuition is present, be it whatever you call it, a hunch, a gut feeling, a vibe, the question or understanding you need to answer, what is on the other end of intuition? There are many verbs to describe it. For the sake of brevity, let's simply say light or dark. Some may experience a heuristic, a mental shortcut, and want to assign intuition as faith or hope. However, the three are different. Hope is expressed in the uncertainty of a situation and is logically rooted in consideration of facts and desires. Those facts add up to a positive outcome. However, hope by itself has no more validation that there will even be an incidence of something else to alter the current situation. Faith, on the other hand, is expressed as not accepting the concept of uncertainty and is based solely on the resolution that there is a higher power with a plan that is not dependent on our understanding or interpretation. So no matter how detrimental the facts present to an individual or a group, 
the proper outcome will be achieved irregardless. While some might suggest faith and intuition are semantics, it most assuredly is not. However, this is outside the scope of today's show, but I will be addressing it in a follow-up show. At this point, I just simply want to acknowledge intuition without an assignment per se. Well, let's go rooting around and see what we can dig up. I suspect you're wondering, what is a truth conspiracy? Truth conspiracy is my concept. In its shortest definition, truth conspiracy is simply when the truth is labeled the conspiracy. In the world of today, we understand as soon as you bring up the word conspiracy, it it just fosters all kinds of mental images. The word conspiracy is a loaded term. I understand that. But if you think about it in its fullest context and impact, it is the most amazing lie one could tell. It's the greatest game of hide-and-seek there is, hiding the truth in plain sight. By calling it a conspiracy and having this bizarre picture come to mind of how bad conspiracy seems, everyone would be searching for the truth while tripping over it and not even giving it a second thought. At this point, the play on words may be twisting your mind, which is what I intended to do. On this channel, I'm not here to tell you to think. I'm not here to tell you to agree with me. However, I will ask you to think. Now, that may be a cool statement for some. Others might think it to be hypocritical. Either way, the goal is to ask questions, present ideas that will incite a conflict in one's mind, provoking questions about one's established reality, assumptions, and beliefs. In its simplest form, the question presents as, who told you that and why do you believe it? Point to clarify, before we dive into this subject, in this series of podcasts, I will often use the word proposition versus the term fact. Let's define fact. Definition. Something that truly exists or happens. Something that has actual existence. A true piece of information. An actual occurrence. A piece of information presented as having objective reality. Why do I use proposition in the place of the word fact? Fact is a loaded word. Think of the word fact. What picture comes to mind? Fact typically exemplifies an external thing, an object that can be experienced with the five senses. This object is experienced as real or with certainty because it's tangible, i.e. it's verified or verifiable. Yet, we don't say it's verified. We say it's a fact. What do we say then? When something is a fact, the word is typically conflated to truth. Yet facts alone do not represent truth. Facts must be woven into a narrative that typically presents as a truth or truths. Now let's take a moment and level set the word proposition. Proposition. Definition. Something that is presented to a person or group of people to consider. A statement to be proved, explained, or discussed. A request for sexual intercourse. A point to be discussed or maintained in argument usually stated in sentence form near the onset. Now let's reminisce a little. Think about a time when someone was presenting facts about something, but you knew the conclusion was wrong. How did you feel? Annoyed, maybe? Now let's take an example. Hypothetically speaking, 12 people see nine bright-lighted objects in the sky. To the viewers, the lights behave like nothing ever seen before. Each object has three blinking lights and emits a noise that is foreign to the person experiencing it. And let's say the duration of the event lasts six minutes. There are several facts presented in this hypothetical scenario. 
The people declare it to be the truth of the matter because they experience the scenario. How would one listening to the story interpret the facts into truth? Can you feel the annoying dissonance starting? Why? It's the word truth. The word truth invokes the idea of absolute, yet nothing could be farther from the truth. Truth is an interesting word and is in the same category as the word love, being the noun, the verb, the adjective, and the adverb. That is, you are talking about a thing, or describing the action of a thing, or you're using the word to modify the action of the thing, or you're trying to describe the thing that you're talking about. Stop. Think about it. It's very reminiscent of the stick, Who's on First, or Baseball, by the comedians Abbott and Costello. They were funny. However, if you've been in one of these types of conversations, you know it's no laughing matter. So let's look at the word truth from a different perspective. There's a very vexing verse recorded in the Bible. John chapter 18, verses 33 through 38. I'm using the amplified version here. So Pilate went into the praetorium again and called Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, Are you saying this on your own initiative? Or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own people and their chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done that is worthy of death? Jesus replied, My kingdom is not of this world, nor does it have its origins in this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting hard to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this world. So Pilate said to him, Then you are a king. Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. This is why I was born, and for why I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth, who is a friend of the truth, and belongs to the truth, hears and listens carefully to my voice. Pilate said to him scornfully, What is truth? How many of us have asked the same question, What is truth? This show is not a theology lesson. Yet listen to what Jesus is recorded to having said. Recall, Jesus is also the one that stated, He being Jesus, is the way, the truth, and the life. You can find that in John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, Everyone who is of the truth, who is a friend of the truth, and belongs to the truth, hears and listens carefully to my voice. Consider, is truth presented as a singular object? Here, truth is presented as a being. The word truth in itself sets up a particular expectation of authority or authenticity about a subject. When someone states, I have the truth, or more so they state they are the truth, they have proclaimed a position of moral absoluteness to the person hearing them. So what is truth then? If we look at Merriam-Webster, truth is defined in three ways. The real facts about something, the things that are true, the quality or state of being true, a statement or idea that is true or accepted as true. Consider statement one, the real facts about something. Immediately, you see the word truth reduced to fact, i.e. something that is tangible. So let's go, and go ahead and level set the word fact with a definition. A fact is something that is true. The usual test for a statement of fact is verifiability. That is, can be demonstrated in correspondence to experience. Theoretically speaking, if all the facts are real, then you have arrived at the truth. If you think about that one for a second, you understand that that can't be true. So let's just leave that one as it is. Consider statement two, the quality or state of being true. Okay, what is true? Again, let's go to a definition. True, 
being that which is the case rather than what is manifest or assumed. Things that are true are accurate, honest, and correct. There are many specific meanings, but when something is true, you can believe it. The property of being in accord with fact or reality. In everyday language, truth is ascribed to things that aim to represent reality or otherwise correspond to it, such as beliefs, propositions, and declarative statements. Consider statement three. It's a positional definition based on an idea that is assumed to be true and accepted, i.e. people agree with the stated idea or proposition and declare it to be true without verification. So let's go ahead and define the word agreement real quick. Definition. To accept or concede something, such as the views or wishes of another, to achieve or be in harmony as of opinion, feeling, or purpose, simply to get along together, to come to terms. Example would be to agree on a fair division of profits. Now, because we agree something is true, does that make it true? Definition three suggests a pattern of how truth forms in a series of stepped graduations. Let's walk through it mentally. Truth forms from a subjective opinion, thought, or belief and becomes an objective idea when propositions are established that provide cogency with an individual's consciousness that compels acceptance with all three elements of the individual. That would be the mind, the body, and the spirit. Elevating the idea to truth. If we disassemble truth, it's easy to see truth in the trifecta, a composite of congruent agreements culminating in a singular point of attention, i.e. what is referred to as the truth. What are those three agreements? There's a subjective agreement, a person's external experiences as personal feelings, i.e. their five senses. There is objective agreements, the logical examination of external experiences in conjunction with all available evidence and previous experience without distortion by personal feelings, biases, prejudices, or interpretations. And a conclusion is reached concerning those agreements as the proposition in question falling into one of three buckets, a universal truth, a conditional truth, or its faults. A universal truth or an absolute truth is something that exists present everywhere in all conditions without contradiction to itself and inclusive of the whole without exception. A conditional truth is imposing or containing or subject to or dependent upon a condition or set of conditions that are not absolute, made or allowed within certain terms, or the proposition is false. There are propositions that establish universal truths. Example, we are all appointed a day to die. All available experiential and logical evidence are congruent with our spiritual understanding of this idea. So we agree it's a universal truth. There are propositions that establish conditional truths, and when all the propositions are valid, the proposition is considered true. When the temperature is zero degrees Celsius, H2O, that is water, will change state from liquid to solid. So we agree, while it's a truth, it's a conditional truth. It's based on a set of situations and circumstances. So what is this verse in the Bible referring to then? This is why I was born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth, who is a friend of the truth, and belongs to the truth, 
hears and listens carefully to my voice. From Jesus' statement, truth is not a conclusion. It's not a point you reach. It's a state of being. Taking that into consideration, let us look at truth through my rose-colored glasses of understanding. A definition of truth, truth is not a point of conclusion. It is an agreement with a proposition that has congruency within a mind-body-spirit complex. When behavior is congruent with belief, motive is congruent with will, soul is congruent with spirit, then the proposition is valid and truth resonates peace that being integrity of identity in all manner of circumstance, i.e. a person's character or some thing's integrity. Now let's take a moment. Let's ask the question, does truth have two different meanings? Which definition of truth resonates with you? Should you be experiencing annoyance right now, the annoyance I spoke about earlier, that is your intuition. What if the term truth really is a state of being, not an external fact that has been validated? What are you to believe then? Let's move on. What is a conspiracy by legal definition? According to Black's Law Dictionary, a combination or confederacy between two or more persons formed for the purpose of committing, by their joint efforts, some unlawful or criminal act, or some act which is innocent but becomes unlawful when done by the concerted action of the conspirators, or for the purpose of using criminal or unlawful means to the commission of an act not in itself unlawful, conspiracy is a consultation or agreement between two or more persons, either falsely to accuse another of a crime punishable by law, or wrongfully to injure or prejudice a third person, or any body of men, in any manner, or to commit any offense punishable by law, or to do any act with intent to prevent the course of justice, or to effect a legal purpose with corrupt intent, or by improper means, for the purpose of using criminal or unlawful means to the commission of an act not in itself unlawful. Yeah, to summarize that, conspiracy is a consultation or agreement between two or more persons to either falsely to accuse another of a crime punishable by law, injure or prejudice third persons or any body of men in any manner, commit an offense punishable by law, do any act with an intent to prevent the course of justice, affect a legal purpose with a corrupt intent or by improper means. To simplify it even further, in four steps, it's an agreement between two or more people that is intended for the purpose of committing a crime and an overt act is made in furtherance of the conspiracy. Now that's a mouthful, and I'm going to simplify it down a little bit when I talk about a truth conspiracy, but understand conspiracy is a very wide-scoped, if you will, has a wide net to capture a lot of things concerning what two or more people agree to do and act on. And it's important to understand they have that word act on there, But while I was researching this, to act on, that's what's in Black's Law Dictionary. But there are states, there are jurisdictions that say, even if you just sit down and conspire to do something, but don't actually take an action, you're guilty of conspiracy. So while we're talking about conspiracy, please, I'm not a lawyer. I don't claim to be a lawyer. I look up things on the internet, just like the rest of you. I just went to Black's Law Dictionary to get that example. 
Now, prior to exploring my definition of tooth conspiracy, I would like to take a moment to acknowledge another type of lying by truthful means. There is a term referred to as paltering. Paltering was developed by researchers at the John F. Kennedy School for Government in the late 2000s. Paltering is the use of selective truthful statements to mislead on the part of an individual. That's important to understand. It's on the part of the individual. There is no conspiracy there. It is particularly important to understand this distinction to fully grasp the full impact of the term truth conspiracy. In full transparency, I'm the author and developer of the term truth conspiracy and its associated definition. So understand there is no outside reference to define a truth conspiracy. Therefore, I retain the right to alter or append the definition without notice. My intention is to establish a clear demarcation between paltering, that is one lying with truthful statements, versus conspiracy, the coordinated deception by use of truthful statements by two or more people in confederation to hide a matter, i.e. the act of two or more people working jointly to deceive a third party, be it an individual or a group. However, depending on one's viewpoint, you could look at a group of people and realize they are all individually paltering with the goal of reaching a unified point. This would be a lot harder to prove as a conspiracy and as a gray area that I'm just going to leave alone. Now let's dive into the definition of a truth conspiracy. It's in five parts, A, B, C, D, and E. A. A truth conspiracy is a lie presented without the use of false statements to hide a matter. Let me say that again. A truth conspiracy is a lie presented without the use of false statements to hide a matter. B. A truth conspiracy is known to exist when two or more people with foreknowledge and intent label a truthful matter a conspiracy while purposely orchestrating facts and the logical elements supporting that matter to present an alternate conclusion to a target that will lead a target or targets to a false understanding the target will accept as truth concerning the matter without further investigation, in effect, hiding the matter, and with the intent to gain willful consent of and agreement with the target or targets to act contrary to the target's own best interest, and that agreement and or action directly damages, hurts, injures, or works to the detriment of the target to include any one or combination of the following, spiritually, psychologically, physically, states of mind, orientations of belief, financial, social, or professional credibility that favors the interest of the conspirators of the manipulation. C. The purpose of the truth conspiracy is to frame truthful information in such a way as to inhibit the target from pursuing the matter in question any longer and to control understanding and or inhibit an individual's psychological development placing an individual's spiritual growth in abeyance, halting or deferring self-actualization, simultaneously maintaining a controlling influence over the individual or group to keep them from digging further into the subject, preventing the realization of the truth of the matter by use of rules, policies, regulations, obligations, classifications, customs, ordinances, guidelines, decrees, precepts, axioms, practices, routines, traditions, conventions, etc. that in effect hide or prevent the truth from being realized. D. 
The effect of a truth conspiracy is the willful consent of a person or group which move them by their choice from liberty into bondage, imposing on the individual or group the form the perpetrators wish without their understanding, also known as a trap or snare. Once the reality of what has happened becomes apparent by the individual or group, they cannot see themselves as willfully giving consent and therefore will deny their own actions. The conspirators will claim they made no false statements, therefore they are innocent of purposeful wrongdoing, and cannot be held accountable for the assuming, presumption, supposal, accepting, taking for granted, opinion, generalization, usurpation, ignorance, inexperience, simplicity, illiteracy, unenlightenment, incapacity, unlearned, uneducated, unsophisticated, unwitting action of the target. E. The effect of hiding a matter may not overtly impact the target, yet if the matter would be exposed, the target would not be in agreement with or consent to the matter. An example of a truth conspiracy would be the German citizenry in the aftermath of World War II when they came into the light of the Nazi atrocity that had happened. They simply couldn't believe they were a part of it. So, to simplify the elements of a truth conspiracy in seven steps, it's an agreement between two or more people labeling the truth as a conspiracy and with purposeful intent to manipulate or misrepresent truthful facts and or statements to present an alternate conclusion presented as truth to a target. The targets believing the false narrative unwittingly use their credibility to push or grow the conspiracy. The false conclusion directly harms the target to include any one or combination of the following. Spiritual, psychological, physical, states of mind, orientations of belief, financial, social, or professional credibility, and the outcome benefits the perpetrators. Okay, folks, up to this point, I've said a lot of things. Let's take a moment and summarize. Linguistically speaking, truth and fact are conflated terms, resulting in ambiguity to what each one means. A fact is validated unto itself and does not establish truth. A fact is a part of reality that can be repeated, so therefore is valid and is part of the cognitive process for coming to an understanding of truth. A proposition is a statement about some thing to be considered as truth. A proposition provides context for facts to prove or disprove the proposition. Truth is established within an individual and has congruity with the mind, the body, and the spirit. Truth is the accepted outcome of reasoning, the integrity of a proposition. A lie is an intentional misinformation containing untrue statements. A palter is perpetrated by an individual making selective truthful statements with the intentional omission or commission of selective facts that allow a receiver to come to an alternate conclusion than if all of those facts were present, a.k.a. the truthful lie. A conspiracy is the agreement of two or more people to work together in the commission of a deception with intent to harm a person or group using misinformation and untrue statements about a matter that benefits them. A truth conspiracy is the agreement of two or more people to work together in the commission of a deception with intent to harm a person or group by making truthful statements with the intentional omission or commission of selective facts that allow a receiver to come to an alternate conclusion of a matter with the intention to benefit themselves. The point is, somebody can tell you a story, but are they telling you the story? The question now, how big can a truth conspiracy scale? And with that said, we've come to the end of the show. 
There is some reference material I'd like to leave you with. Let me say here, these four books do not specifically talk about a conspiracy theory, but they do have the elements that I draw a conspiracy theory from. The first is a book by Carol Tavers and Elliot Arnson, Mistakes Were Made But Not By Me, published by Hartcourt Press. The next is a book by Daniel Gardner, The Science of Fear, How the Culture of Fear Manipulates Your Brain, published by Plum Press. The next is Michael McCalco, Thinker Toys, A Handbook of Creative Thinking Techniques, published by Ten Speed Press. The last is Penny Lee, The War Theory Complex, A Critical Reconstruction, published by John Benjamin's Publishing. Let me just say here, Penny Lee is talking about a linguistic scientist named Benjamin Lee Worf, who wrote a paper in 1928 outlining linguistic relativity. A very interesting read. There's one last quote, a parting gift of sorts. Question with boldness even the existence of God, because if there be one, he must approve of the homage of reason than that of blindfolded fear. That was said by Thomas Jefferson. Folks, thank you so much for stopping by and taking the time to listen. I appreciate you. And always remember, the only thing limiting you is your belief you are limited. You've been listening to Truth Conspiracy. Until next time, remember, the obvious is so difficult to see most of the time. We quote the old axiom, it's as plain as the nose on your face. However, how much of your nose can you see until you look in the mirror?